This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Please join me in the call to worship. All who hunger, gather around. There is bread here for empty bellies. There is compassion here for broken hearts. There is grace here for shattered lives. There is family here for lonely souls. There is hope here for all who need it. All who hunger, gather around and lift your hearts to God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. about our lives and about our living. Let us offer to God the truth as we pray together. Merciful God, forgive us for we are slow of sight. We see scarcity and scraps of bread and a few fish. You see a feast for thousands. We see a threat in someone who is different from us. You see a beloved child. We see hopelessness in the world around us. You see a brand new day 
and another chance to do what is right. Forgive us, for we are slow of sight, and we so easily lose our way. God brings us new life when our bones are dry and hope when we are hopeless. God washes us in mercy and ignites us with the Spirit. God welcomes our whole self. All the bits and pieces, whether glued together or barely hanging on, in the grace of God through Jesus Christ, we're free to try again. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Which is the greatest commandment? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. And so just as Christ shared words of peace with the people around him, let us do the same. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Please share the peace.
Well, it is cold and rainy outside, but it is warm and welcoming inside. Friends, welcome once again to worship on this Lord's Day. Jesus assures us that where two or three are gathered, he is among them, and so surely the Lord is in this place on this day. Whether you are a longtime visitor or... That is not how that's supposed to go. Whether you are a long-time member, or a first-time visitor, or a long-time visitor, however it is, you have come to be here today. We are delighted that you are here, and you have made us better by being part of us. You have seen we are not perfect. If you have not already, and you are seated on the ends of the pews, and see those maroon pew pads, and can sign them, and pass them down again, If there are folks worshiping near you that are new to you, I encourage you to change that before you go home today so that everyone might feel welcome here. As you are doing that, I'll point your attention to the uh, announcements printed in the bulletin. I'm not going to read them all to you because there are many, but I will note especially this afternoon's concert, next Sunday's women's brunch, and the deadline for submitting names for Memorial Sunday is this Wednesday. A reminder that next Sunday is Memorial Sunday, it is also Marathon Sunday, and it is Daylight Savings Sunday. So set your clock back an hour and then use that hour to get here to church because it will take a little bit longer to navigate, but you'll still get a little extra sleep. We hope that you will make your way here however that comes to be next week. This is the start of our stewardship season. You will hear a lot more about this in the weeks ahead, but for now I am delighted to introduce to you uh, Lauren Logan to share her perspective on giving. As we approach Fall Stewardship Sunday, there are two stories that come to my mind. One of them is from the Bible. You may remember the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Zacchaeus was so excited when he heard Jesus was coming to town that he, being somewhat, shall we say, not tall, decided to climb a tree to make sure he saw Jesus when he passed by. I can imagine dangling precariously and waving frantically at the person I call Savior. I can also imagine Zacchaeus' apprehension when Jesus singled him out and said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. And what Zacchaeus, the less than honorable, and to some greedy tax collector, was stressing about as he made hurried preparations. When Jesus came in, Zacchaeus quickly made amends for his life to date, promising to give half his possessions to the poor and pay back four times as much to anyone he had defrauded. This story is special to me not only because of the gaily waving Zacchaeus, but because of the forgiveness of sins Jesus bestows so generously on this tax collector and sinner who wanted to make right his transgressions. That brings me to the second story, one called The Accidental Tither. There was once a young woman who belonged to a church in New York City. She was a Christmas and Easter churchgoer, contentedly so, until one day, years into her membership, she thought to approach the seminarian at coffee hour and say, you have the same name as my grandfather. 
The seminarian invited her to attend what was called adult fellowship the following Tuesday. Her experiences participating in adult fellowship with people who were also grappling with questions of faith and learning more about their faith was a life changer. Her faith came alive and she began to look at the world around her through a different lens, one made clearer by her understanding of being a child of God. Fast forward a couple years, when her friend was nominated to the board of deacons, she approached the associate pastor and said, can I be a deacon too? Through her service as a deacon, an elder, and trustee of her church, her faith continued to grow. She she became aware of a distinct connection between how she used her resources and how she wanted to express her faith. At some point, she began making a yearly pledge to the church and increasing it as her fortunes rose. One year, her business went south suddenly. That is, it took a nosedive. She remembered the sentence at the bottom of the pledge card about making changes should your circumstances change. Yet she couldn't imagine approaching her pastor to have such a discussion. Besides, she thought to herself, the church is counting on my money. She held a sample sale, and the proceeds from that sale totaled within $10 of the amount she still owed on her church pledge. This may have been the most joyous check she ever wrote. And even though her foray into the world of tithing was accidental, she tells me it continues to affect her thinking about what really matters and her actions to support those thoughts. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, as we prepare to pledge our support to the life-giving ministries of Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church, bless us as we think about how we can best express our faith and in the process experience the life-changing joy of giving to what is everlasting. We ask this in the name of your Son, our dear Lord and Savior. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Give us grace to receive your truth in faith and love, that we may be obedient to your will and live always for your glory. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson is from the prophet Joel, chapter 2, beginning with verse 23. Listen for the word of God. O children of Zion, be glad and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the later rain, as before. The threshing floors shall be full of grain, the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will repay you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent against you. 
You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I, the Lord, am your God, and there is no other. And my people shall never again be put to shame. Then afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female slaves in those days, I will pour out my spirit. I will show portents in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. all of our children or young people forward at this time. Come join me at the steps. Come join me at the steps. All right. Matthew and Brian. 
Tell me, what do you see on the front of this bulletin? Fish, what else? Lots of people. Who's this? That's probably Jesus. And who are these folks? Yeah, there's bread and there's fish. And who do you think these? Yeah, the disciples. So, this picture, this painting, shows us the story of Jesus feeding 5,000 people with his disciples with five loaves of bread and two fish. He sat them in groups and fed every single person. They ate that dinner together, and Jesus was the one to provide it. And so in this story, we also see that there are different types of hunger. What is one type of hunger? Food, so physical hunger, whenever our stomachs are telling us that we need something to eat to sustain our our bodies, right? And so at this point, the crowd, they were hungry, and they wanted food. And when they got it, they were satisfied. There's also several other types of um, hunger. So I like to call this mental or educational hunger, and that maybe they wanted to learn something. So I just read a book about a young girl who had no education as a child. She did not go to school, so that when she was an adult, all she wanted to do was to learn and read and go to school. So she was hungry for education. And we see that here, too, in that Jesus is teaching and talking with the people around him. Then there's a spiritual hunger. Hi, Patrick. There's a spiritual hunger that we talk about at this table a lot and around the table where we look for the warm and the fuzzy in our hearts and also maybe God in our lives. This is found that there are only five loaves and two fish, yet everyone had enough. And then the last type of hunger that I found in this story was hunger for a community. So for family or friends, for someone to eat with, to laugh with, cry with, to tell stories with, we see that Jesus divides the crowd into different, into smaller groups to tie together and to maybe make friends. And so all of the types of hunger are found in the story, which makes it very special because when we read this, Whatever we are hungry for, there is something here for everyone. So can you pray with me? Can the congregation pray with me as well so we're not alone? Repeat after me. Loving God, thank you for all that you give us. Thank you for all that you give. Everywhere and to everyone. In your name we pray. Amen. So if you are second grade and below, and if you would like, you can go to children's worship with Kathy and Barbara. Thank you. Friends, our gospel lesson today comes from Luke's gospel, chapter 9, verses 10 through 17. On their return, the apostles told Jesus all they had done. 
He took them with him and withdrew privately to a city called Bethsaida. When the crowds found out about it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed to be cured. The day was drawing to a close, and the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away, send them away, so that they may go into the surrounding villages and countryside to lodge and get provisions, for we are here in a lonely place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all of these people. There were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, Make them sit down in groups of about 50 each. They did so and made them all to sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed it and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And all ate and were filled up. What was left over was gathered up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As you have seen and heard more than a few times already, our theme this stewardship season is come to the table. At its heart, this is an invitation to come and be served. And it is an invitation to come and be the one serving. Which, when you think about it, is what it means to be the church. To encounter something and receive something so transformative, we can't help but do everything in our power to share it with others. Now the most important table, the capital T table, is the Lord's table. And we say it every week that Jesus himself is the one who invites you. And it's where we remember all of the other tables he gathered around. There is another table, perhaps a lowercase t table, that is Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. I hope you all know yourselves to be invited to both tables. But if you aren't sure today or you haven't been sure before, let me be clear whether it is the capital T table or the lowercase t table, you are welcome and you are invited and it will not be the same without you. Now many things happen at tables. The most important and the most natural, of course, is a meal. The gospel is absolutely stuffed with shared meals, so much so that when Jesus' followers first became the church, the first thing that the world noted about Christians was that they ate together. Only one of these stories, however, appears in all four Gospels, the feeding of the 5,000. And Matthew and Mark go so far as to tell the story twice. Now, every account of this story agrees on a number of details, including that this miracle takes place in the Eremos. That's the Greek for a lonely place, a deserted place, a wilderness place. Every one of them uses that exact same word. Now, I love the wilderness, if we are talking about the geographical wilderness. 
Each summer for the past few years, my friend Jessica Tate, you have met her, she preached here this past summer, and in 2007, she was your David Reed scholar. Each summer, Jessica and I find a couple of other friends and we go to one of the most remote places I have ever been. We go up to the Boundary Waters, which is the system of lakes that runs between Minnesota and Canada. And for a week, we paddle further and further in. For a week, we couldn't use a cell phone even if we tried. And for a week, because the area is so highly protected, we encounter maybe two or three other people. And if we do, it's only from a distance. And for a week, if we want to eat, we are dependent either on the food we bring with us or on the fish we catch along the way. If someone says wilderness to me, without any context, that is the image that comes to mind. And if we had read from Matthew or Mark's version of this story, you too might be thinking of that sort of setting right now, or perhaps the day trip version of it. Someplace set apart, because that's the way that Matthew and Mark describe it. But Luke's version, we're reading Luke's version today, because Luke takes special care to give this story a much more specific setting. This wilderness place, this deserted place, he says, exists right in the middle of a city called Bethsaida. They are lonely in the midst of the city. We live in one of the largest cities anywhere. Have you ever been lonely? If you have, and we all have, you know that loneliness can exist anywhere, even in a place where you are entirely surrounded by people. It is in this lonely place in the city that the disciples find themselves, and when the long day draws to a slow close, they approach Jesus and they say, send them away so they can go somewhere else and find what they need. Send them so they can go away. I wonder if them might be one of the loneliest words in the English language. The most defining thing about them is that they are not us. Jesus responds by saying, you give them something to eat. But what Jesus is really saying is, don't send them away. How about we all eat together right here? We have a good number of young people in this congregation who have started new schools this year. Now, schools here, they don't work quite the same way they work anywhere else I have ever lived. In those places, you could be sure that at least a few of your friends from your old school would end up at your new school. That is not a sure thing around here, and I bet that all of you who have started new schools, I bet you understand perfectly why Jesus says, how about we all eat together? 
because you have walked into a cafeteria in a new place and looked around wondering, where on earth am I going to sit? And that question has very little to do with actually eating your lunch, doesn't it? It has everything to do with who you're going to eat your lunch with. If anyone's going to invite you to sit down with them, or if anyone will look up from their meal and smile, because meals are about nutrition. But when Jesus talks about meals, they're always about relationship as well. Don't send them away, Jesus says. How about we all eat together right here? That is what the kingdom of God looks like. Jesus was teaching them about the kingdom of God right before supper time. Now he's showing them what it looks like. It was a while ago now. Robert Putnam published a book titled Bowling Alone. It examines the shifts in American community and culture. He pointed to the decline in social institutions, everything from the Rotary Club to the Boy Scouts to homeowners associations, and yes, even to churches. He pointed to all of the places that Americans used to connect with neighbors, and none of them, not one, is as strong as it used to be. In the most recent statistics I could find, nearly one in four apartments in Manhattan are occupied by one person. And in New York City overall, all five boroughs, that statistic increases to one in two apartments. Fifty percent of New Yorkers live alone. Now don't get me wrong, I live alone and I love it. I think there's even a time when living alone feels like something of an accomplishment, when you can afford the rent all on your own and you don't need that roommate anymore. So I don't mean this as an overall critique, but rather simply an observation. As a people, we are alone more than we ever have been before. Where this gets worrisome is where the research gets even more specific. An article in the New York Times titled, Is Loneliness a Health Epidemic?, notes that especially in the United States, and especially in large urban areas, it's the poor, the unemployed, the displaced, and the migrant populations that suffer most from loneliness and isolation. Their lives are unstable, and so are their relationships. When they get lonely, it reports, they have the least access to adequate social or medical support. Now, as this study notes, it is especially prevalent in urban areas, areas where we are used to being alone. Because the more accustomed we are to being alone, the less concerned we are when others are alone, even if their aloneness is not by choice. This is why Jesus says, don't send them away. How about we all eat together right here? And this is why I am so grateful for our outreach ministries 
for the open table where a meal is served every Thursday to anyone who is hungry, and for the overnight shelter where up to 12 men find a place to sleep and, yes, some food to eat. This is why I am grateful for all of you volunteers that make it not just a meal and not just a cot, but a place to be, a place where our guests are seen and respected, a place where they are fed in every sense of the word. Don't send them away, Jesus says. That's why I am grateful that you... Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church, you come to the table, and you make sure that others can, too. The English word companion comes from the Latin. It means with and bread. A companion is one with whom we share bread. And I think Jesus understood this. The disciples said, send them away, and them is a lonely word. But to Jesus, there is absolutely no them. There is only us. So why wouldn't we eat together? Because that's what the kingdom of God looks like. You give them something to eat, Jesus says, and so everyone eats together and everyone is filled, filled with bread and fish, but also filled with companionship and community, with hope and holy expectation for the future, filled with all of the things anyone could ever hunger for. They were lonely in the city. And so Jesus told them, don't send them away. Let's all eat together right here. Let's all sit down and eat together and talk together until none of us could ever imagine sending anyone away again. You give them something to eat. So church, who are you going to eat with this week? What table will you sit down at? And who will you invite to join you? Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Please remain standing as you are able, and let us respond to the gift of God's word by confessing the faith of the church together, using the Apostles' Creed as you find it printed in your bulletins. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Let us pray. God of goodness and grace, we gather in your name, called from places that bring distractions and busyness, stress and loneliness, comfort and belonging, even love and maybe disloyalty. All this found in the places we live, the places we work, the places we play. We bring it all here to focus for a few minutes on you and all that you do. And so today, may we recognize in faces lined with kindness, may we hear you in questions of the smallest child. May we worship you in the cadence of our gathered voices and the unison of our words. And may we sit up and notice that you are right here in our midst, speaking your words and hearing our sighs. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And not only are you here, you are with those outside these walls, with the outsiders of our world, the walkers in the borderlands, the exhausted and war zones, the hungry in the corners of our world. Be with them as you are with us. And so if you are with them, then why aren't we? Give us the courage to face those who sleep on the street. Give us the confidence to speak up for those who are oppressed. Give us the motivation to seek the same comfort and peace for all people that we experience here. You enter our hearts despite our best effort to close them. And regardless of our deepest thoughts, we want that for everyone. And so shine a light into those who are grieving, such as the families of Barbara Torgerson, Alison Ramos, Mary Ann Agnes Cox. Provide hope to those who are homebound, such as Gordon Roberts, Werner Gross, Chris Vissian, and Marjorie Norris. And give rest to those who are hospitalized or in rehab, such as Luis Rodriguez and Kathleen Lynn. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Amen. In response to God's love, let us offer our lives and gifts to God's church and the world.
did. Jesus said, how about we all eat together right here? So friends, come to this table. Come to this table, you who have much faith and you who would like to have more faith. Come to this table, you who know what it is to run, to walk, and to fly. And come to this table, you who know what it is to stumble. Come to this table, you who understand all of our tradition and all of our vocabulary. And come to this table, you who still find it a bit strange. Come to this table, you who hunger and thirst for a better life and a fairer world. And come to this table, you who are simply seeking a place to rest. Come to this table, for it is the Lord's table. He is the one who invites you, and it will not be the same without you. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Let us pray. God of grace, we give you thanks and praise for this world and all that fills it. We wonder at the intricacies of your creation, the vastness of the universe, and the beauty that surrounds us. You made us in your image, giving us creativity, imagination, and the capacity to love. You call us to care for your creation, love one another, and live as your faithful people. When we turn from you and reject your ways, you never give up on us. When we wander, you lead us back and call us to follow you in the way of love. For all this, we lift our hearts in gratitude and our voices in praise as we join with the choirs of heaven and all the faithful of every time and place who forever sing to the glory of your holy name. Thank you, O God, for sending us your Son, Jesus the Christ, to become one of us. He revealed your love and taught us how to live. He healed those who suffered and forgave those who strayed. He welcomed sinners, fed the hungry, cared for the least of these, and challenged those who misused their power. We thank you that Jesus shared our pain and died our death then rose to new life that we might live and all creation be restored. Remembering your boundless love revealed to us in Jesus Christ, we break this bread and share this cup. Giving ourselves to you in joy and praise, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ Gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, and upon these your gifts of bread and wine. May they be for us the body and blood of Christ, 
transforming us that we may be Christ's body for the world. By your Spirit, unite us with Christ and one another until we feast with him and with all your saints in your eternal realm of justice and peace. Through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor are yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now with the confidence of the children of God, we pray as Jesus taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So remember with me. How on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered his friends around him, including the one who would go on to betray him. He gathered them together, and he took bread, and he gave thanks to God for it, and he broke it. And he shared it with them, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, and it is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. It said, This cup is the new covenant, sealed in my blood, poured out for you for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it, as my remembrance. The Apostle Paul tells us that every time we eat this bread and share this cup, we proclaim the saving death of our risen Lord until he comes again. These are holy things to make us holy, the gifts of God for the people of God. Let us keep the feast.
Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks for the meal you have offered at this table, and we give you thanks for those with whom we have shared it. May the bread that sustains us and the cup that encourages us and the community that forms us, may all of this stay with us just like you until we gather once more. Amen.
love of God that brought you into this place this day, and it is the same love of God that now sends you out into a world that needs what only you have to offer. So may joy and nothing less follow you all the days of your life. May you be blessed and may you be a blessing, and may you rest well today, secure in the knowledge that the Lord of Light, who has brought you this far already, will lead you and countless others all the way home. Amen. Thank you.